When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, my name is Cherry Moon of Snook Nook, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. I want to ask you to really start off, like, obviously, congratulations on the Grammy nomination. Thank you. Uh, I want to ask because I did find that interesting because, you know, I grew up in Canada. Uh, I still am in Canada. I remember listening to like Sharon Lois and Bram, Splash and Boots. So like it's a lot of I know there's people out there now that's going to instantly want to cancel me when I say this. But like, obviously, we had a lot of white childhood entertainers, like even Mr. Dress Up. But I think it's kind of interesting because I had to do a little bit of research myself on this. But like this is a whole stance, I guess, too, because when you look at the Grammys and the whole uh, nomination process, especially for in this category about like music for children it's more or less it was very white now to see hello i'm wendy mesley there you are a lot of people have wondered what happened to you i could say the same about you maureen holloway well here we are a few years after we left our previous jobs we've been busy we have a podcast i know you're thinking who doesn't but ours is really good it's called women of ill repute we don't just talk to women though just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet artists musicians comedians doctors activists convicts writers sex workers drop some names Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. You getting nominated, I mean, it kind of... I, I, I want to ask you, I guess, how do you feel about this? Because I, I guess it makes a mark and makes you feel kind of valued because it's almost like, all right, now we're recognizing that it's just not all white. There are, you know, different races, different That's ethnicities. That are, music, yeah. Music. Well, yeah, I mean, it really has been uh, dominated, not only by white race, but more. it was very male dominated uh, genre as well. And then also the genres that lean more towards being in this category were more folk music okay. based as well. So this year has been a revel- revelation because it is not only the first year that we've had multiple um, ethnic artists nominated in this category, but also more women you know, in this category, which is phenomenal. So, I mean, and I feel like, you know, like last year or yeah, last year, one of my albums was on the initial ballot and it didn't make it to the final ballot. And of course, you know, there's a lot of disappointment and, and you think you look back at the ballot and you go, well, you know, these are pretty much the same artists on the ballot year after year. And most of them are like, you know, male folk artists. And a lot of them are actually not, doing children's music. It's folk music. So just because it's folk doesn't necessarily mean it's just, you know, it's children's genre. 
And there were a lot of different artists from all walks of life and different backgrounds that are doing specific family, children-oriented music that were not being recognized at all. So a lot of people took a, a, a stand against it last year, and I joined this organization called Family Music Forward, and they were the first to really kind of contact the Grammy organization and basically just... They got a lot of letters written from different artists in, the, in, in that world, including myself. And we just told how we feel, you know, how we felt about what had happened and what's been going on and all of this stuff. And they basically reviewed everything and they just came to a point with it. And, and not only our genre, actually, but last year, I mean, I know you, a lot of people know that The Weeknd had a problem with his music as well, uh, not being nominated. Canadian for- reference. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> Being, uh, you know, recognized in certain categories and so on and so forth. So there was a lot of unhappiness with how the uh, final ballot came about. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, before this year, the final ballot was determined by a private group of people oh, yeah. who determined who was going to make it onto the, that final ballot. Usually categories such as mine is usually only five people on that final ballot. So no one really knew how they got to that five or how many ever was in in the category. Well, now this year is the first year after so many people, including myself and other people in the children's music genre, to make a stand against this private membership or or crew that was, you know, determining the, the ballot. This year was the first year that now the peers vote completely on every step of the the voting process, which is amazing. It's really amazing. So I'm so grateful to be a part of something that has actually, actually has changed for the for the better for so many artists. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of I, I mean that that's just an amazing thing to have happen. And I'm just proud to be a part of not only that process, but now being a part of a group that is, you know, really putting music out there for you know, children of color and different ethnicities and different genres, you know, because we not only represent, you know, folk music, but there's a lot of people of color that are doing folk music. They're doing R&B, pop, orchestral sounds, just all these different genres meshed together to entertain families and children and families. So I'm really happy that now this year really represents a, a diverse people of, art, you know, artists in that category. It's amazing. When you were saying that there are people that kind of went to the Grammys and said, okay, what's going on here? Like kind of doing a little bit more digging into it. Like, I wonder, has it ever been done in the past? I I feel like it has and just kind of got glossed over. But like, I'm wondering, just because you have now the shift of with social media, you have the shift of uh, all of a sudden with like, you know, Black Lives Matter and stuff. Like, I look at it in two different ways, because the one side... I am a person that kind of like represents the media in terms of like, I went to school, I wanted to work in media, but there's a side of me that because I'm a person with a disability Mm -hmm. can kind of relate in a way. Now, obviously we got to be careful how we word things today, but like I can relate it in a way of saying like, all right, I understand the argument of like, all right, where, how come we're not being represented? Like what's going on here with us? But then there's a side of it where I look and I'm like, Media is picking at it from a standpoint of like, oh, oh, crap, we're in we're in like deep shit if we don't do something about this because of a whole Black Lives Matter movement. I feel like for someone like myself, if I want to be a sportscaster today and it's almost like, well, no, like there's not really anything for you there. But like all of a sudden, all it takes is just say something happens with a person with a disability and there's a whole movement 
media just yeah, jumps Suddenly you'll jump. have so many yeah. allies to jump yeah. on. Yes. So I'm absolutely. wondering if that like obviously plays absolutely. a factor, right? Because it's absolutely. like it yeah. does. You know, now that every people have access to everything, you know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing's done behind behind closed doors anymore. You know, yeah. so people are really aware, a lot more aware these days of what's happening in and uh, and every in every uh, different uh, workplace or you know a- everywhere I should just say because you know not only do we have social media we have just the internet period you know you're able to put things out there you know there's not only like you know these higher play there's also these um, places um, I don't know what they're called it's like BuzzFeed and like all of these like other they're not social media companies but they are internet like i don't even know what they're called and what they're titled but i know that they are like they're putting out these different stories on the the net you know what i mean just making it you know uh, available for the world to see everything um there's a lot of those companies and they are definitely available to anyone you know you don't have to be a lawyer you don't have to be a pr person you don't have to be in charge of this company you know anyone can call up these people and go oh well you know this is what's happening and you know so i guess everything is so accessible these days whereas back in the day i don't think we had that at all and that's what i mean like people are people are you know putting together organizations in communities like the family music forward did to fight against this whole you know thing with the grammys and you know not being inclusive, basically. And and that and I, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, people do need to be called out and things need to be kind of sorted through to make sure everything is on a on a, a, a an even a level, you know, playing field and ground yeah. for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I noticed I, I just became a Grammy voting member because in order to vote for the Grammys, you have to be a, a, a member. And yeah. I just got my membership, thankfully, after all these years. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you have to, the way they have it set up for you to vote, everything, you know, is I think is quite amazing because really you do have to go through the process of listening and sifting through everything, you know? I mean, yes, you can. I mean, you you can, you know, log in and just cast your vote, but there's so much. Yeah. And, and, and you don't want to just vote for anything because there's a lot of stuff that you, you, you've never heard of. So it really forces you the way they have it set up to actually listen, go through everything. And then everybody gets a fair shot. And I think it's fantastic. I think it was amazing because I, you know, I saw a lot of artists that were well known in a lot of these categories. And I see and I can see how it's easy for them because they have so much press and they're so mainstream that yeah. they will get all the votes of popularity votes. But now if you're going through and they make it so easy to listen through to everything and all the arts and you go, gosh, like, why isn't this playing on the radio? And why is this artist not on my television? Gives those people a chance because we're actually able to listen and go through everything and take our time. And and they don't you don't have to vote right away either. You can save your process and come back tomorrow in a couple of days. It's fantastic. I love it. I, I know that you, I believe at age eight, got into like gospel music. Not my thing. If I tried to join gospel, they'd be like, Brian, you are really, really not meant for this. And I'd be like, hold on. We're in a culture that you have to allow me. They'd be like, I understand that. But no, <laughs> we're drawing the line. I'd be like, all right, fair. Uh, but tell me, like, how did you get into gospel? Because I know you grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So. Did that kind of, was that like a part of its culture, a part of the history where it was like you were around it, surrounded by it and said, trying it 
I was, I mean, my fam, my, my grandparents were very much into, they were very spiritual. Um, we went to church a lot. Um, as I just remember going to church a lot, like maybe three, four times a week, you know, sometimes more, if, you know, it depends on any given month, you know, so, you know, and then, and, and, you know, I was a part of the, the church choir for a while, but I mean, my whole family's pretty much musical. We all, we had people, well, we also lived in Memphis where at, at the high schools, there were marching bands. There were choirs at the school. There were marching bands. There were, you know, so a lot of people in my, in my family played instruments. So we, we had a trumpet player. We had somebody on the drums. We had somebody on the organ, somebody on the guitar. So we, we were very musical in our house. So when we went to church, you know, we were all in the choir. If we weren't in the choir, someone was, you know, playing the, the instruments, you know. So we ended up putting together a family choir, essentially. And my grandmother's brother was a uh, pastor as well, but he had a church in Brownsville, Tennessee. And so we would occasionally go there to just visit. And every time we went to go visit, he would put us on the spot by making us come up and sing every single time. It never felt. So after that, then people just kept, we got invited to just different churches to go and start performing. That's kind of how we formed our little family choir. And then we just started going to different places and performing. And we just, which was great because we always performed whether we liked it or not at home. Like if one person starts singing, then the other person starts singing and she's doing harmonies and he's then, you know, then somebody's picking up the guitar and it's just like, it's like a musical in our house. So that's how I grew up. And I loved every minute of it and minute of it. And I learned through singing for me, singing gospel was very much, you know, essential to my vocals and what I know is music, um, because I, it tr- helped me train my ear at such a young age. And I'm, I can hear different things in terms of like harmonies, uh, background parts, vocal parts, and even, you know, instrument parts. Now, I, I did, when I was younger, I played a little bit of violin. I was in the band. I was in a band. I played um, the clarinet, but I didn't continue to play instruments. I was more per- performance-based vocally and, you know, just stage presence. But when I work with producers now, I have to credit me being able to write melodies and come up with different sounds and actually be able to essentially come up with instrument sounds as well. Like I can, sometimes I can hear instruments in my head and how I feel like it should sound in a song or, or, oh no, this drum pattern should sound like this. Oh, Oh no, we need this sound. You know, I credit all of that to having been been a part of a musical group, a gospel group, which was in my family, because I'm listening to them create and, you know, and it's just so many, so many years of working with people and working around other people's voices and fitting in and this and that and harmonizing and, you know, all of that. And then, you know, with the choir, there's so many different voices, so many different things going on, so many parts, like, each section, group, you know, group section can be singing something different all at the same time to make one sound. All of that was very helpful for me as, a, as an artist, you know, because some people go, oh, well, what do you, how do you write your music? How do you, you know, come up with these songs and these melodies? Melodies, you don't play instruments. And I go, well, no, I don't. My instrument is my voice, but I can, I hear things. Yeah. Not necessarily every song, but a lot. I do. And, you know, sometimes I can come up with a full song, not having even gone to the studio with anyone. I'll go to the studio with something all flushed out and I'm going, okay, 
this is what I wanted. This is what I'm hearing. That's just how it is, which I'm, su- I'm super happy that I can actually, because sometimes I regret, Oh, I should have played the piano or I should have, yeah. but you know, I've, I've done very well with what I've been given. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Well, like speaking of doing well, because it kind of goes side and side with this, but prior to having you on, I, like I said, doing a little bit of research, but like I was kind of fascinated because I'm sure there's an audience out there that's like, okay, like I did not know that. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's the, the cool aspect of having people on, but like obviously working with like Timberland or co-writing with, you know, the script. Tell me a little bit more about that because I can tell by the way that you're passionate about that answer. If you did that exact same thing going in and talking to Timberland or being like, hey, like I can see and I, I can see them just being like, that's yes, yes, just like me. But like, tell me how those stories come about or how you got to work with these people. Yeah. So um, I moved to New York from Tennessee. I was in college uh, going in Clarksville, Tennessee, moved to New York. And at the time I was just doing like fashion stuff. I was modeling and whatever. And I met some uh some girls that um, I ended up joining a, um, a music, a girls group with one of my girlfriends that I met modeling was, you know, had some connections with the Timberland crew. And she was like, you know, you guys have to come up to the studio. You should come and sing for them. Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay. So we went up there and sang and, you know, he was like, okay, you know, well, you know, come back another time. You know, I was like, okay. So he shouldn't have said come back because we went back. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just, you know, for for us, we were like, you don't just brush us off and say, come back because, you know, we will come back. Okay. We will take you literally and we will yeah. come, come back. So hey, why wouldn't you? <laughs> kept going back, kept going back to finally, he asked us to j- just go in, in the booth and sing like some background parts and little things like that. So that's kind of how it started. And then we started because we were just starting to kind of write. I wasn't really deeply into writing at that point. I was only just singing. But once we started kind of dabbling a little bit with some of his tracks, it just just started to really flourish for me then. You know, like I was just, I would go to sleep. I would have ideas. I couldn't sleep, wake up in the morning. You know, it was just, it was crazy how that kind of just transformed instantly, really. Yeah. So that's how we got and you know, started working with Timbaland. We didn't really just go in and it's like, he was like, oh, well, come and I'm yeah. going to sign you type of thing. It was like, oh yeah. Okay. Come back. And we were like, okay, well, we're going to keep coming back. And, yeah. then, and he was like, okay, we're sitting there waiting for him to just toss us a bone basically, you know? And then we're like, oh, go sing this part on this, you know, background here, background there, this and that. And then um, we became like Jimmy Douglas, who was his um, engineer mixer became our mentor basically. 
And so then he would also just champion us anytime in the studio to get on records. Oh, 10, give them some tracks so they can go work on, you know, write and this and that. So he really pushed us to write because he knew that that was the way we were going to get in deeper and we were actually going to go somewhere. And it was at one point where Missy came into the studio one time and she, Jimmy was talking about us as a group and she had had an idea. She wanted to put together a multicultural ethnic uh, group um, and rename them Mary Jane Girls. She wanted to license that name and put a group together. But here we were sitting, a multi-ethnic girl group. We had a different name, but we were, of course, open to taking the name. So basically she took us on for a bit and she was like, you know, putting, you know, we started writing. Then she she gave us a couple of her songs that she had written for other artists that didn't go onto their albums and things like that. So we just started recording recording and writing and this and that. And then we started doing showcases and all this stuff, which was very exciting at the time. We ended up working with a lot of producers that came up under Tim that were didn't have any name at the time. And they would fly us to like Texas to work with, you know, different producers and, you know, record just because it's really, it's a, it's a, a game when you, because yeah. you have to record and work on so many songs before you have a final album or a final piece. You never know what's going to make it and what's not. So it's just, you know, you just go, 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 go. So that's kind of what we did. And then unfortunately we got a lot of interest from Columbia and we were going to have, we were basically going to sign a deal through, because we had signed a production deal with um, Timberland's production company. And then we were going to sign, he was going to sign a deal with Columbia for our group. And when we won one trip to Texas and we were working, we were there for a week. It was four of us at the time and two me, myself, and one of the other lead singers, we were the only two that went to Texas to write because we were the only writers and we were the lead singers. The other girls stayed back. They just only did backgrounds and they were there for stage performances. But they got a set, decided they didn't want because they couldn't go to the studios yeah. and they decided to lead the group. So that's how the group broke up and it was just a fiasco. I mean, thankfully, we did some really good work when we went to Texas because when we got back, because I thought, oh my God, the groups broke up this is over. We're never going to do anything again. You know, we were just like, everything was a downer, but we had written, we, we kept, we got back from Texas and we went to the studio to show them what we had written and they were listening to everything. And I suppose it was impressive enough to keep myself and my, you my co-writer singers, Michelle on as writers. So we stayed on, as you know background singers and writers and we just you know we were just like writing like crazy and then we got a uh publish a publishing deal and that was amazing because then we just we you know had stipend to just write and we had a quota to meet every month and it was fantastic and that's how i really because that was my school of writing basically it was like college for me and that's what i did every day um danny came about uh, danny from the script because I was visiting um, LA because I was still in New York at this point. And I was coming here for a project and he was in a studio that, that I was working out of and met him and we just connected and we're working on this, um, this gaming project first. And we did a theme song for, for a game. It was a VR game. So it was first collaboration. And then we did a couple of other songs that I actually haven't even released, which is kind of crazy. Who knows? I may release them, but yeah, you know, so that was my, that was my collaborate. And this is right before 
the script was the script. He was doing exactly what I was doing, really, which, which was he was writing a lot. He was in a writing circle, too, where he was going to studios and writing and trying to get placements on different artists' albums, you know, because that's what that's the game as a writer, you know, yeah. as a writer. You're just like you you try to get in and and write or co-write with different groups and, you know, try to get some placements happening. So we were kind of in the same place uh, at that point, uh, just trying to get some placements and happened to be in the studio one night. And we, we collaborative, collaborated over a few days, but just that first night we did the the theme song for the game. And then we did a few like kind of R&B pop songs. He's amazing. He really is amazing. And I remember the first night we, we worked, he wasn't, he wasn't thinking that they were, the script was going to be the script. Oh, wow. Okay. It, it wasn't really born yet. You know what I mean? So it didn't come to later. And then when it, when it kind of sort of was happening, it was just like, wow, congratulations. How, and it, yeah. it was amazing. It was amazing. And I guess, I guess you, you were like, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, I guess you seeing, uh, because obviously we don't get these kind of conversations, but it's like, you know, when you have them and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just picturing like my own kind of concept when you're pitching an idea to someone or just saying like, yeah, I'm in a band or yeah, we were a couple of guys. We sometimes sing, but I don't know if we're going places. And next minute it's like, all right, you don't think you're going places. I, I see you on charts now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened really. I mean, you know, I just remember the, um, like that, the, the last day we worked together, we were, I was giving him a ride to, I think, was it Venice or something? It was the West side. Cause we were working like in, um, like Beverly Hills, like West Hollywood area. And then had, we drove over to where he was staying. It was just like, you know what I mean? It was like, whatever we were living in the artist's life, but yeah, then like, I think just like in not a maybe not two or three months, but like a few months down the road, suddenly the script was born and he had a, a deal and this and that, and they finishing a, a record. And then he, uh, cause he went to back to Ireland cause the producer that I work, work with is re- actually right now uh, still like, cause I wasn't married at the time, but is, is, is a, my husband, my now husband's best friend. And oh. he did a lot of the songs on the script album. When he, Paul told me, the producer's name is Paul. When Paul told me that um, Danny and, you know, the rest of the script were coming here for their first tour and then all the stuff. And I saw the video. Yeah. And then I went to go see them. And that was my first time seeing him after we'd worked together. And suddenly he's on tour and he's like, got all these people at the concert. I'm like, what is going on here? It was crazy. It felt like it happened so fast. But yeah. I was so, I was just over the moon. I mean, ecstatic for them. Cause, and he's such a talented writer, I mean, and singer, but his writing in the studio was so impressive for me, just working with him and see, seeing his process and actually witnessing it. Yeah. So I was, I so honored that, um, I got a chance to work with him and write a few songs with him, but yeah, I mean, he's super talented, super talented. I feel like and it's kind of like to give you a little bit of a, a light here too, but I feel like when you're younger and you're listening to like artists and I'm not throwing shade at these people. Cause like, obviously they're talented, but like, you know, when you're listening to say Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, like for me or Christina Aguilera, you're kind of like, all right, I like the song. But then when you find out years later where it's like, all right, yeah, 16 year old Britney is not writing a song about hit me baby one more time. They actually like, yeah. And then you're kind of, it kind of deflates you a bit, but then at the same point you're like, but she did it so well because maybe that writer knows that they're not great at music like singing but they're like i know you can give this light which is cool because i think sometimes we undermine writers like 
I'm just shocked sometimes when I listen to music and, I, and you'll interview someone or you'll have a conversation and they're like, actually, I wrote on that. And I'm like, oh, really? Because here I was giving like Bieber all the credit for this. And it's like, no, yeah. I was a part of that too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. And they don't take it away from him. They're just yeah. more or less saying like, I was a part of that. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Collaboration. Yeah. Because like, when I know for my example to go to now, like obviously when you mentioned the script, like, I grew up with the script, like we're listening to them, like when I was in university mm-hmm. and their songs, I'm like, you are hitting me too hard. But you, <laughs> like I get you, you, this is good because you're actually putting thought and soul into the music. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I remember listening to one Republic when I was younger and you would see like family guy or stuff, make jokes of it. It's like, well, they're very like tame. They're very like, blah. And I'm just like, you know what they kind of are. But then like you, grow up you start really listening to it and mm-hmm. you're like man like ryan's a really good writer he's been yeah. on all our people's stuff and i'm like awesome but i guess like having the writing background then going into the music i feel like it gives you a leg up rather than just like being a really good singer because yes. you kind of know what you want to do where singers like all right i'll sing this song for you and then you're like all right but you're not really getting what i want you to get out of it and it's like right. i i've never gone through that and then it's like well, I have, but I want to try to implement you to understand that. Yeah. Writing is is not for everybody, you know? It's like hard. Writing, it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> and there are a lot of artists that just don't write and don't want to write. And I understand. Being a writer, I'm like, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh, God, like, why? what am I doing? But, yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be very challenging. For me, the biggest challenge is because I actually really enjoy writing and creating and, you know, coming up with things where it gets hard for me sometimes is when there's the pressure to be very specific about it has to be this topic or is for this person. And it, you know, it just needs to do Then You're just suddenly you're just like, then that's where I become a little stunted, you know, a little bit. And I'm just like, okay. That takes away the fun of it. Why can't I just write and see what comes out? I just like to create. I mean, can I do it? Yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. I can do it. I have to force myself sometimes. And in those moments, it's easier to collaborate. Generally, if I have to write for someone else and like if there's a real mission, there's so many guidelines, then I'm probably going to need somebody else to bounce off of because my mind will just be like, I have to stay within, it's like fighting to just break out and do what it wants to do. That becomes a little challenging. But when I'm just writing and just having fun and just like creating stuff, then I, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't, you let me knock, knock on some wood first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually, I usually don't have writing blocks, but I don't want to start. I want to ask you now to kind of go back into like the music, the album side of things <laughs> here as well. But like, when did you really... Uh, get into kind of doing like children's music because I know it's a big it's kind of a leap from going from Timberland to children's music like I I don't know did Timberland release a kids record and I'm just not I'm just not aware (laughs) (laughs) so funny okay yeah we'll see a lot of people get mixed up in thinking because I do children's music means that I don't do pop music or dance music anymore yeah I still wrong that is wrong yeah Yeah. i um as as a pop as a pop writer and you know performer and i do a lot of dance music and stuff for myself as an artist i go by cherry moon and as a children's artist i go by snuck nuck i took interest in writing children's music because i I got into writing jingles for television 
So that whole train of thought going, not going from, because I was still writing songs, you know, and trying to get placements. And I was writing songs for myself and all of that stuff while I was still doing uh, the jingles. The jingles just paid the bills. I got into a mode of writing very repetitive things, very catchy. You know, when you hear things on the commercial, it has to be very catchy, repetitive, memorable, you know, spark someone's attention really quickly. Um, So I got into that mode because I've been doing it for quite a few years. The guy, Joey Levine, who was like, he's like the bubble bubblegum pop guy. He wrote, you know, he's a part of like, he, he wrote all the songs, uh, sugar, sugar, and yummy, yum, or anything that repeated more than okay. two or three times, he's like the king of, you know what I mean? So he was um, one of the jingle gods that I was working with. He was doing uh, children's uh, music and putting out children's albums alongside doing other stuff. But his children's music stuff was albums and he licensed them so much. You know, he made, he just always kept talking about how like it was such a, a great moneymaker and genre. And, you know, it was very successful for him. And I just like, wow. And I never really thought about it in depth until I got pregnant. And so when I got pregnant and, you know, and I had my first daughter, I just started making up all this. I'm just naturally not thinking I was going to create an album or write a song or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a very musical person. Like I would just, like I said, with my family, I'll just start singing. You know, like if if we're like long enough, we're all here longer than an hour. I might just start. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's just, I'll just make up a song about anything. So when baby talking to my, my daughter, when she was a baby or trying to teach her things, I just start coming up with these melodies and songs to say what I wanted to say. Cause it was not only easier and fun, but it actually made her listen and also repeat what I was saying. Because it was fun and it was in song. And then, you know, songs is the best way for people to learn. And, you know, even in school, they try to teach everything through song. You know, they try to make ABCs or this and that. I'm making, oh, we're going to make this into a rap, you know, like yeah. kids could remember things. So I thought, oh, maybe I should. Because I only had, I was just writing like little snippets, like basically hooks for different things just to wake her up in the morning or to teach her to like vegetables or to teach her to share or let's not have a tantrum today. You know, all of these different things. So I just was writing hooks, but then I was like, you know what? I need to flesh these out. I need to, I'm going to write these into full songs. And then, so when I started going to the studio and actually recording them, they just became epic. And I just, and it just, just, they just really, they came out really nicely Suddenly I went from like, oh yeah, I got two or three songs to like, oh gosh, I got 35 songs. It's crazy. I'm going to, you know, that's kind of how that happened. And then I got pregnant again with my second daughter and then suddenly, you know, two different personalities and suddenly I'm worrying about something else, you know? (laughs) Oh God, you don't want to go to the potty? Okay. I'm going to write a song. (laughs) Just stuff. Yeah. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to take a bath. Like all the challenges that parents go through with their toddlers I wrote about them and put them into songs and I just made it into like a, like a musical tool for parents and grandparents and nannies or whoever that need to teach their kids, not only basic hygiene, because now I, I go into more social awareness as they've gotten older. This is actually where this transforms into the song that the, the song and the album that's nominated for the Grammy. The song that is on the album that's nominated for the Grammy is called We're All the Same. 
It is about social awareness and, and uh, accepting people for who they are and recognizing that we are all people and we may have, we may come from different backgrounds. We may look, look differently. We may have, you know, different hair, different skin color, all of these things, but we're all the same. We're living on a planet. If we work together, we can make it all work, right? And this was just such a universal message for me and children because, you know, I feel like children, if we all, we all know that children aren't born hating people. So I just feel like when they have songs and musics and, and messages that they listen to that promotes this oneness, love, then I feel like, you know, that's how we're going to change generation after generation after generation where we can actually make some progress. So that's really where this messaging and this song and this whole album called All One Tribe, that's really what it's about. It's about unity. That's why I'm so, so proud of this, um, this project. Um, One Tribe Collective is the name of the, um, the group. And I'm just, I'm super excited about it. And because everybody is really trying to put out some positive reinforcements with the children and the families, you know, so and that's, that's, that's where it all starts. I want to ask you now, because I know we kind of touched on it with the Grammys too. And I think your answer was really well put in that, but like, when you getting this nomination, mm -hmm. like what does that entail for you? Like, I know you kind of expanded on it, but like, just go deeper into like, because obviously you made a point, you're getting like the credit that you deserve and just to be nominated has to kind of, I'm not even saying like, obviously I feel like if I was in the room and I don't win, I'm just still like, Oh, I didn't win. This is stupid. <laughs> and they'd be like, this is why he doesn't get nominated. But for, for you, what yeah. does this nomination entail or mean? Well, this nomination, I mean, just being nominated is still recognition. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's why they say it's a nod. It's like you have done the duty. You know what I mean? Of course, I want to win and I want that trophy and I want to be a grand. I'd be shocked if you said you didn't want to win. I'd be like, all right, just take her off the shoot. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, just, you know, it's in the fact, I mean, it's been so many years for me being in the industry and, you know, it, and, and it's so funny because one of my, my mentor, uh, Jimmy Douglas, who was the Timberlands engineer, who is still my mentor today, he said, you know, you never know how it's going to happen. You never know how it's going to happen. You never know. And so, right. Because would I have known this? 15 years ago or whatever, you know, that I was going to be, first of all, writing children's music. I was going to be a part of a group. I was going to, you know, suddenly be nominated for a Grammy and the, for best children's album. Yeah. I mean, come on. If you'd have told me that, I'd be like, you're crazy. There's <laughs> no freaking way. You know, it means so much for me just to be recognized and actually just be in the company of so many amazing um, artists in this genre. Now, when we talk about representation, now I, you know, I, I started writing children's music, what, like, you know, 15 years, some, you know, 15 years ago, I didn't really start performing it uh, like at festivals and things like that until maybe four or five years ago. Now my circle of people in this genre didn't really expand until maybe two years ago. And I knew nothing about the, the culture that was waiting for me in this genre because there was no exposure. You see what I'm saying? So me as an adult, 
I had no clue that there were other people that looked like me doing what I was doing. This is very important for that reason, because I feel like having a nomination, being recognized by the the music's most prestigious institution is uh, the, the best credibility you can have you know, doing this, you know, doing children's music or whatever genre you're doing, but for in this, in this case, you know, children's music, family music. And, you know, I feel like this is going to help us to continue to gain more exposure. So people, other kids and other artists that look like me and have like similar skin color can go, oh, wow. Wow. Like, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that there were art, you know, black artists or Indian artists or, all these different different backgrounds doing this type of music and these type type of projects, you know. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, my mind has yeah. exploded <laughs> finding out that oh my god, like so many artists in Washington, all all around the the country. I've met so many. That's the great thing too about this uh, all one tribe album is that we're not all sitting in L.A. We're not all sitting sitting in New York. Yeah. We're we are everywhere. We have people in. Africa, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Florida, Chicago, like everywhere, you know? And it's incredible how we have come together to create something magnificent. And I feel like, you know, that it's going to be heard. It's got a shot at being heard, actually. And again, it just really helps us to move forward with other projects in terms of like, you know, maybe working because a lot of a lot of people like I, I have a vision of working in animation and doing children's uh, animation, animated shows, live action shows, you know, things like that, all based around life lessons and mindfulness, still positive messaging. And then, you know, this person over here wants to do this and do that and create this. But I feel like now we actually have a shot where we can actually be heard and create Mm -hmm. these things. And these things might actually happen that will provide more diversity and representation for ethnic kids on these different networks or streaming platforms and so on and so forth. So that is just so important. It's really important for everyone, children especially, but I think adults as well. And I'm a a, a good example of that. I even, I had no clue. Yeah, because I like how you mentioned about representation and kind of where I wanted to go with that in terms of like, you know, if someone sees you and they don't have to be a kid, they can be an adult and say, okay, I can actually do this or make it in this field. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting because in Canada, we have obviously like news anchors as well. And we have one named Janella Massa, and she's like the first one that wears a hijab. It's kind of like being the first to do something sometimes can be both good and bad, uh, especially in in the world that's kind of divided and everyone has an opinion because she'll go on TikTok and then she'll she'll actually like make light of things where like someone will send a tweet at her and say, how dare you wear hijab or like, shouldn't you go do something and like, shouldn't you be going blowing up things? And then like, I'm just like, all right, like, how is she going to play this one off? And then she just literally will then like take it super professionally but i'm like man that is one imagine how many she gets of those a day right but at the same time is having i guess the courage or i'm not gonna say audacity but just the courage and more or less like the willpower to like get through that Mm -hmm. because i guess she's looking and saying i'm the first but i won't be the last right because there are kids out there that like before her they probably thought well i haven't seen anyone with a jab do news so I guess I can't. And then now they're going to look and be like, all right, fair game. Like if she's doing it, I can do it. Right. And I think rep- like, again, representation is key to everything. Cause like we, 
we don't have, for example, like not that it needs to be overexpressed, but sometimes you don't see people with disability being represented. Mm-hmm. And then all it takes is like one or two. And you're like, all right, well, if that person did it, what's stopping me from doing it? So in your terms of now getting, yeah, like in, in your terms of now seeing the nominations and you're like, all right, well, like there could be like, you know, other artists out there or, mus- or musicians that kind of had children albums and they're like, well, we never get nominated. And it definitely has to do with our skin color. And then now they see you and they're like, you know what? Let's give it another shot or now we don't have anything really to hold you back so there's no barriers absolutely because i've had actually people discover me on instagram or, or contact me you know because of now this coverage and you know this um the press i'm getting from the, the nomination and things like that um you know that will other artists just you know in, yeah. that are in these small towns and they're like oh you know i do this I'm, i do children's music check this out and this and that and it's great and i'm just like wow, this is amazing, you know, because people, a lot of people too don't really know much about family music or children's music or children's artists, entertainment, you know, like the only thing they know, and which is, I I was guilty of this as well, is what we have seen on television, Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street and maybe the, 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 the Wiggles, (laughs) you know, I I was going to be like, I'm guilty because like I've, I've at least two or three that I've mentioned and that you mentioned with the Wiggles, like we've had them on, but it was like, because I was exposed because my niece and nephew watch it. And like, it's pretty much like, all right, we've had Emma Wiggle on. And it's like, all right. It's like, oh, I would not probably have Emma Wiggle on because only for our niece and nephew are in the room. And they'll be like, I don't want to watch hockey. Turn on the Wiggles. I'll be like, I don't want to watch the Wiggles. And then it's like, put on the Wiggles or you like, and I'm like, all right. And then you'll be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So yeah, like exposure goes a long way. It goes so far, so far. And it's, it's so important. Again, not, not just for um, the children and the families that are receiving, but other artists, you know, that are in these small places that enjoy what they do, but they aren't, they probably aren't sure that it's real. I want to ask you kind of like to, to close out the, the, the conversation here as well, but like we're in 2022, I feel like, you know, depending on what part of the world you are in COVID is very impactful or there's people like, well, we're getting over COVID, but I want to ask you like, what are some other kind of, I guess, goals you have for 22 or things Mm -hmm. that you're looking forward to? Cause obviously like, I feel like a Grammy nomination or a Mm -hmm. win is a good start, but like, obviously like what are some other things that you might have on a bucket list that you're like, let's get these done. Like, I feel like I don't want to be like that person where it's like, I got a Grammy and everything else in 2022 is just to like, you know, you go back in December. Someone's like, what did you accomplish? It's like, I want a Grammy. And then it's like, all right, we know you told us that every month. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm always very ambitious. Like, I'm always like, I want to do this. I want to. Yes, I do have a bucket list. Okay. Are you ready? Are you sure I have time? Go, go for it. <laughs> I don't have a bucket list as much as I have like a phone that has like a few things where it's like, just make sure you try your best today. I'm like, all right, got it. Right. I, you know, I, I'm already, I've already started on a a new Snook Nook album already. Um, So I'm working on a new album. I'm working on a Christmas album as well. And I am actually creating some content for a new app, um, children's app, interactive app i should say because that's the 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 key thing about the, that's what sets it apart from other apps for uh, for children is that it's interactive and so i'll be creating some episodes um based on some of the topics that i write about and then also um i i mean i i had already started writing this um animated series 
a few years ago. And I'd like to write more episodes and actually get it placed. That would be a biggie for me. So that is, I mean, that's very ambitious. And do I feel like it can happen? Yes, I do feel like it can happen because now I feel like anything can happen. <laughs> I mean, I kind of consider myself, you know, and I always thought, you know, when I started doing the children's stuff and, and performing with children and doing, going to the festivals and things like that, because I, I loved, first of all, I loved Annie and I loved um, Carol Burnett and Annie. Mm-hmm. I loved that whole thing. I loved um, Julie Andrews is one of my, oh, I love Julie Andrews. I love her and everything she does. Um, but specifically, you know, Mary Poppins and Sound of Music and all of that stuff. And I love music in movies. I'm a musical fanatic. And so are my, my kids, actually. We watch a lot of musicals. And I want to do that. Like that, I could see myself. I always say, you know, like my, my kids go, well, mom, you know, you could be a, you can be a black Julie Andrews. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know? yeah. That to me sounds like music to my ears, you know, and, and do I feel like, you know, because I, I don't know if I ever really felt like I could do that or it would be accepted or, you know, has there ever been someone of color that did those types of things? Uh, I can, not that I can remember. So that's another threshold that I might want to take on. I feel like it's interesting because when you're mentioning like all these goals and accomplishments, I'm looking at my list and being like, all right, let's let's start working. Let's figure out what we got to do. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Cherry Moon for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thank you for listening, and good night. It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.